happy. Thank you, choir. Thank you all so much. We need to thank them again for the services last Sunday morning and for all the hard work that they put into that and for God blessing the services. This morning, I encourage you to turn with me to John chapter 13, and I'm going to be reading beginning with verse 36 into chapter 14, verse 6. The first six verses in John are perhaps some of the best-known verses in the Gospel of John, outside of John 3.16, of course. But to understand fully what is going on, we've got to step back just a little bit and enter into the conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples and the questions that they are asking him. And I pray that if you have your Bibles with you, you're going to leave them open because at toward the end of the message, I want to kind of give you a, a, an outline of chapter 14. And um, not because I'm going to give that to you, but because the Word of God just... There's some very profound things that Jesus promises. I'm going to mention six. And of the six, there's only one that is yet to be realized for you and I as children of God. And this is a most remarkable passage of Scripture. So let's pray and then we'll read the Word of God. Father, I thank you that you not only make promises to us, but you always deliver. Lord, I thank you for the promises that are yet to be realized for each one of us as Christians. I thank you that as Jesus promised that he himself would go back to heaven and prepare a place for us. Thank you that that place is already ready and prepared. We're just waiting for you to either come back and and get us and take us home or through the doorway of death, you welcome us to heaven. Father, this morning as we move past Christmas and all the joy that we've and we've had, Lord, we just thank you and praise you again for the coming of your Son. And help us to see the total gospel picture that it's not just the coming of Jesus, but what he did for us and what he is planning to do for us, even at the end of this life. Father, please speak to each heart this morning. Lord, perhaps there are worries and fears that are in our hearts this day that we need to hear you say, let not your hearts be troubled. Maybe some of us need to hear the words of Jesus when he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Father, whatever our need today, perhaps as a person who needs to hear Jesus say, I died for you, will you trust me as your Savior? Lord, whatever that need is, please, Lord, speak through these moments ahead. Speak through your word. Speak through your spirit. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Follow with me as I read John chapter 13, beginning with verse 36, going on into chapter 14. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. Notice again, now. But you shall follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why cannot I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? 
And these next two words, if you've got a King James, is verily, verily. I'm reading out of the Revised Standard, truly, truly. But as I've shared with you before, and I want to do it again, anytime you see Jesus stick those two words together, it is equivalent to what the prophet said in the Old Testament when they would say, Thus saith the Lord. The word that he is getting ready to say is from the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, the cock will not crow till you have denied me three times. Then Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Now, I know that the King James uses many mansions, and I so often use that at funerals and all. If it were not so, listen to this. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, folks, look at this. I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. If you have any doubts about heaven and about if you trusted Christ going to heaven, then you need to memorize these words of Jesus in verse 3. And let me read them one more time. And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know where I am going. And that evokes a question from Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. For the first three Sundays in December, we examined the Scripture to see if you and I can believe the Christmas story. And I hope you remember that one of the reasons we found we can believe in the Christmas story is that God always keeps his promises. I want to just stop for just a second, and I want to say that again. God always keeps his promises. Let me give you as an example. In many places in the Old Testament, God makes promises, and God keeps those promises. Beginning in the book of Genesis, as we found in chapter 3, at the fall of man, God promised a Savior, a Messiah, a Redeemer who would come to save mankind, and God did. God kept his promise. God sent his son. According to the Christmas stories in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke in John 1.14, and let me read again John 1.14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only son from the Father. And that verse is speaking about the coming of Jesus. God's Son became flesh and came to earth in the form of a man whom we know as Jesus of Nazareth. He was born of a virgin. I'm not trying to preach those three sermons again, folks, but I want to tell you something. And, and I was reminded of this this week. Paul, the Apostle Paul, says, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, I'm going to be held accountable for what I tell you is the meaning of Scripture and the Word of God. And I cannot tell you enough times I feel that God sent his son, 
born of a virgin, lived among men for 30 to 33 years. He was rejected. He was accused of many sins of lawlessness and blasphemy. He was put to death on a Roman cross. He was buried, but he rose from the dead on the third day. And not only did he rise from the dead, he did not keep it a secret because he lived among his disciples for 40 days after his resurrection. Listen to Acts chapter 1 verse 3. In all these verses we've read before, but I hope and pray that they're important to you and that you've got them highlighted or you make notes in your Bible about these verses. Listen to Acts 1 3. To them he presented himself alive after his passion, his death, by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking of the kingdom of God. For 40 days Jesus appeared to them and and dwelt with them, and then he ascended back into heaven. And folks, there's something that I really hadn't noticed until this past week. Just as the angels announced that Jesus was coming to the earth to be born of Mary. And you remember one of the sermons we talked about the heavenly witnesses of the Christmas story. The angel who came to Joseph. Gabriel who came to Zachariah and Elizabeth. Gabriel who came to to Mary to tell her that even as a virgin she was going to have a child. The angel that came to the shepherds and said, go into Bethlehem. There the Savior has been born. As they got to Bethlehem, not only did that angel, but a heavenly host were singing and praising God. And folks, I've never really took stock in this, but listen. As Jesus ascended back into heaven in Acts chapter 1, the angels announced to those early disciples that he'd come back. Now listen to these verses, Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And when he had said this, and you remember those first eight verses, Jesus tells them to wait in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon them. Then he says, this is your mission. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And this is what happened next. When he had said this, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into, would you say heaven with me, while they were gazing into heaven... As he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. Now, who are these two men? Angels. All right. And said, listen to this. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Folks, listen. I've never put it together. There were angels announcing that Jesus, the Son of God, had left heaven and come to earth in the form of a man to live and die and be the Savior of the world. And I'd never noticed at the end of those 40 days after his resurrection that two angels announced not only that Jesus was going to heaven, but Jesus was coming back to get them from heaven. Think about that for just a second. That is just absolutely amazing, isn't it? Folks, just as, again, angels announced his coming, angels announced that he's going to come back. So now why and what am I leading up to? 
isn't there always for many of us a post-Christmas season letdown in depression? Let's be honest. We're, we're worn out, worn to a frazzle. And probably, and this is not a critical statement, I would think that many people weren't planning on coming to church today, even if it, if it didn't rain, because they're just so worn out. Folks, listen, I want to just share with you some of my blues that happen after Christmas. And, and again, I'm being repetitious, I know, in telling you some of these things, but my happiest time of the year is from September the 1st to Christmas. And I've told many of, that, many of you that. I've got to wait another nine months now for September the 1st. You could have a baby in that time, couldn't you? I mean, it's going to seem like a long time. The joy and happiness of the Christmas season is over for most of us. And that's sad, but it's true, isn't it? We've got to go back to work. We've got to start up the hill again. We've got to start building up vacation time again. The Christmas decorations are taking down. And probably many of us are upset because of the money we spend and the amount of money that we've got to pay back or pay off. And folks, this coming week, the week after, the week after Christmas, it, it's got some bad sides to it, doesn't it? Probably you're going to receive your 2013 tax forms. I need to remind you to be happy when those come in, okay? We're going to begin to build hill again. How many of us were elated that we got through this year? We broke even at least. And we begin to think of all the expenses that we're going to have to pay this coming year. Not everybody's going to feel this way, but did you know that, that Wednesday's the last day of deer season? Did you know that? And it is 102 days until turkey season begins on April the 12th. That's the day Ori gets married, isn't it? 102 days, guys. There's two questions that I want to ask and get you to meditate on. Will we pack Jesus away with the tree and decorations as we return them to our basement, to our outbuildings, and to our closets? Have we put him back in his place, back in his corner? Will our lives return, even as Christians, to the routine and earthly cares that we had before the Christmas season? And folks, here's, what I, here's the point I'm trying to build up to. As Christians, as people that have been saved and redeemed by the one who came 2,000 years ago, don't we need to be reminded that during his ministry, Jesus made promises yet to be realized? Never really thought about that until this past week and asking God to give me a message for today. Folks, there are so many problems. If God kept his promise for centuries, for thousands of years, that he would send a redeemer, if God was faithful to Adam and Eve, the first man and woman who ever sinned, if he was faithful to them to send that promised Messiah, think of all the promises in the New Testament. Many of them have already been realized, but some of them are yet to come. Let me give you one such example of promises yet to come is found in the words of Jesus in John 14, verses 1 to 6. And I read those verses out of chapter 13 because the framework of the words that Jesus gives his disciples come at a time in which the disciples are completely bewildered and discouraged. These words are spoken at a very difficult time for Jesus. 
Let me point some things out, okay? Number one, his human death. Jesus would die within hours. He would be crucified on a cross. Now, let me just put some of this together for you, okay? In John chapter 12, verses 22, 32 and 33, look at these. They're on the screen. You might want to, again, just mark them in your Bible. That Jesus here is telling his disciples how he would die. Listen to this. John 12:32. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Lifted up from the earth. Crucified on the cross. And verse 33 is actually, it seems, an editorial note by the Apostle John. If you've got a Bible that has the, letter, the words of Jesus in red, you'll notice that verse 32 is in red and verse 32 is, is in black. John here is saying, listen to this, he said this to show by what death he was to die. Jesus in chapter 12 is already speaking of the cross that he would die upon, that he would be lifted up. And he would draw all men unto himself. So Jesus knows that his death is imminent. It's coming. Secondly, the disciples did not understand Jesus' going away from them. And so listen to Peter in verse 36 and 37. And folks, let me point something out. We don't have this on the PowerPoint, but in chapter 13, look back at verse 33. John 13, verse 33. Little children, yet a little while, and I am with you. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, so I now say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And because Jesus has made that statement, this prompts Peter's question in verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Tradition has it that the apostle Peter was crucified himself. But he asked to be crucified upside down because he did not want anybody to think of him as they thought of Christ. He would die for his faith in Jesus Christ. But Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Folks, Peter did not understand. So he says, Lord, where are you going? And folks, listen to Thomas' question in chapter 14, verse 5. Look at this. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And in essence, I believe he's saying, how can we get there? Again, these disciples, they don't understand what Jesus is trying to communicate to them. They're bewildered. They're they're discouraged. They don't understand. And folks, not only is Jesus aware of his death and the confusion of Peter and Thomas and the others, but one of the twelve called out disciples are going to betray him. In John 13, 21, Jesus When Jesus had spoken, he was troubled in spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And you and I know that it was Judas that would do that. Another reason that Jesus 
is going through some very difficult times is that he knows that Peter is going to deny him and disown him. And in John 13:38 that we read, Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the cock will not crow till you have denied me three times. And folks, Luke's, Luke tells us that during this time, Jesus knew that Satan was going to be at work against all of the disciples. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brethren. Folks, let me point something out that I would not seen until this week. I always thought about this passage of Scripture as referring simply and only to Peter, but every single one of those disciples were being attacked by Satan. And folks, let me point something out. If Satan will attack the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you remember after his baptism, he was led out into the wilderness according to the Gospel of Matthew, and he was tempted. Folks, if Satan will attack Jesus, he will attack the disciples, and Satan will attack you and me. And Jesus knew that all of his disciples would fall away. In Matthew 26, 31, Then Jesus said to them, You will fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will, sheep will be scattered. And you might be saying, I thought we were going to talk about promises. Folks, let me tell you where all this is headed. At this moment, the disciples are stunned and shocked. But ain't God, ain't our Savior good? At some of the lowest, most discouraged moments, He comes to us with promises yet to be realized. How would Jesus calm the troubled hearts of these disciples? How can Jesus calm my heart and your heart in today's world? And I want to point out in John 14 six wonderful assurances to calm our hearts. And these wonderful promises calmed, I pray, will calm your heart and calm the hearts of the disciples. And let me point these out, okay? And I want to point this out. This is, these are ideas from Warren Wiersbe. But again, I want you to just absorb this. And if you've got a pencil or a pen, would you, just, would you just put marks between these verses? Folks, in chapter 14 of the Gospel of John, here are six promises that Jesus makes. And folks, I want to tell you, the only one that is yet to be realized for Christians is the first one that is mentioned. Number one, we're going to heaven. Verse 36 in chapter 13 to 14, 6. Do you believe that? I do. If Jesus went back to heaven, he prepared a place, and the angel said he's, went to, he's gone to heaven and he's going to come back, I believe it. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's the only one yet to be realized for you and I as Christians. But folks, these other five that I'm going to mention in chapter 14 have already become a reality for us. Listen to this. We can know the Father right now, chapter 14, verses 7 through 11. And I just want to encourage you to read these verses with that in mind. 
The third promise, we have the privilege of prayer, chapter 14, verses 12 to 15. The fourth promise, we have the Holy Spirit, verses 16, 17, and 18. Folks, Jesus is just laying all this out. And folks, I want to tell you, until this week, I mean, I've read these chapters before. I've read these verses before. At, at practically every funeral I've ever had a part in, I wanted to make sure that these first three verses were read. But folks, those are the promises yet to be realized. All these other things have happened and are happening in our life. And if you're born again into the kingdom of God, God wants these things to take place in your life right now and just wait for the realization of one day that we're going to be called to heaven to the place that he has, been, he has prepared for us. Number five, we have the Father's love, verses 19 to 24. And we have the gift of Christ's peace in verses 25 to 31. And look, if you don't have time to write all these down right now, we'll try and we're going to finish this up next week, okay? And I'll try and get Fran to just put these, these five things, this outline of chapter 14 in... in um, in the bulletin. Give me just a couple more minutes and I'm going to close because I want to get to a certain place and I'm going to stop, okay? But I want us to focus on promise number one because that has not yet been realized for we who are here. But Jesus promises that we are going to heaven. Those who have trusted in Christ as their personal Savior from sin, their destination is heaven. That's not my word. That's his word, okay? And I've got some very personal questions that I want to ask you, and I'd like for you to meditate upon these this coming week. Do you believe in heaven and hell? Is there life after death? Did Jesus promise he would and we would live again? Let me answer that for you with Scripture, okay? Look at John chapter 14, verse 19. This is one of my favorite verses, y'all. Listen to this. Jesus speaking to his disciples, Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Now think about that for just a second. We read out of Acts chapter 1, how many days did Jesus, after his resurrection, appear to his disciples? Forty days. And folks, you and I can see Jesus now through faith. Do you not realize that? We can see him in the hearts and lives of others. We can see him in the world about us. We can see how he's moving in people's lives right now. We can see him in answered prayers. There are multiples of ways. But Jesus right here says, The world will not see me, but you will see me. And then he says, and again, underline this, Mark this down, highlight it, because I live, you will live also. If Jesus had stayed in the grave, you and I could not claim this promise, but because the grave could not hold him. And the Easter story is about a Savior who is risen, who lives even right now. That is the guarantee that we're going to live again too. Amen? Folks, this is straight out of the Scripture. It is straight out of the lips of Jesus himself. And folks, here's a question we need to think about. 
if we believe the Christian, uh, the Christmas story, why do we not believe in heaven, life after death? Remember Matthew one twenty one. Jesus came to save his people from sin. Folks, if there's not a heaven and a hell, then why did Jesus need to come? If sinners don't need to be washed in his blood and take away their sins, why did Jesus come? Why did the angel say, you'll call his name Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sin? And I close with these thoughts. Did Jesus believe in heaven? And I'm going to give you some scripture for this next week, okay? But let me point something out, and please hear this not as sarcasm, but as delivering the word of truth. Jesus did not say, I hope I go to heaven when I die. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'll come back. He hadn't lied to us before, has he? God hadn't not kept any of his promises. There's some that are yet to be realized, and that's where we're headed. Folks, do you and I realize that this life is, is but a short journey? Some days they seem real long, don't it? But it's a short journey. It's a short ride. But waiting at the end, if we've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, is his promise. Because I live, you live also. And perhaps in our world today, we need to be looking seriously about what the angel said, this same Jesus which was taken from you will come again in like manner. I believe Paul describes this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where he talks about the rapture of the church, Jesus coming in a cloud for his church. Folks, we might be closer than we think. And it's not the time now for us to be dismayed and shocked and discouraged and depressed, but it's time for us, like that little warbler or wren on our deck, to look up and sing praise to the Lord. Amen. Because he's got a place prepared for us. I don't know how well I delivered this sermon this morning, but let me tell you something. These are some powerful, powerful words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they come from his lips to our hearts. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in me. Believe also in God the Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son. Thank you not only that he came that first time, but thank you that he's coming again. Thank you that he promises that he has prepared for us a place in heaven and Lord Jesus, I thank you that many have already made that journey and they've already beheld your son face to face and they are already worshiping him knowing that he gave himself that we might have eternal life. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here that has not yet trusted Christ that they'll be led to do that as they meditate upon the words of Jesus. And Father, I pray for people who have professed faith in Jesus Christ, who have repented of sin and acknowledged that they're a sinner, and they've, they've asked you to be their Savior, but Satan has placed doubts in them, and they don't know if they're going to heaven or not. Father, I just pray 
that they'll hear these words, not from me, but they'll hear the words of Jesus saying, let not your hearts be troubled. I prepared a place for you. Father, in these moments of invitation, please, Lord, speak the hearts. And God, thank you. Thank you that although you've already fulfilled many of the promises that you've made to us, thank you, Father, there are promises yet to be realized. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn this morning is number 174, I Gave My Life for Thee. As the Spirit of God leads you, would you make a public decision, whatever that decision might be? If the Spirit's leading you, would you give in to Him and would you obey Him? But if He's not, please don't make any decision at all. But if He's leading you, would you come? Let us stand.